Hello and welcome or welcome back to another episode of the Missing Pillar of Health podcast. In episode 17, I walked you through the three-step process I used to pull myself out of total overwhelm and analysis paralysis while re-evaluating my healthy home strategy. And this included getting very clear on why I wanted to reduce toxins and what hurdles I have to overcome to make it happen. What I came to realize is that most of what was leading to my confusion and analysis paralysis were actually myths, but they seeded enough doubt in me that I became stuck and frustrated. Turns out that was all part of the plan. Doubt has been the playbook go-to for industry to stall progress on public health decisions for decades. From cigarettes to flame retardants to climate change, the facts have been obscured by seeding doubt in the public. Eventually, the facts prevail, but not without collateral damage to our health and the planet's. Some of the biggest doubt campaigns were launched by industry groups masquerading as unbiased science. These include cigarettes, which obviously are now known to cause cancer, but were positioned to be healthy and safe. Many flame retardant chemicals are banned now due to the environmental and health hazards they pose, but because of industry lobbyists, they were actually required by law for years. Even climate change has a massive doubt campaign behind it, and that is still a work in progress. Each of these should have been no-brainers when we learned the dangers of them. But industry seeded doubt and lengthened the legal, social, and political processes because of it. I watched the film Merchants of Doubt a while ago. It's also a book. If you can get your hands on either of those, it's eye-opening and goes into more detail about these doubt campaigns. I'm not talking conspiracy theories here. This actually happened. When it comes to the ingredients in the products you use every day, doubt is playing the same role to discredit the notion that environmental toxins are a serious concern. Sometimes the doubt is internal. You may not be totally clear how harmful your skincare products really are, or often it's affected by external doubt, manufactured by industry, as in the examples I listed just now, or because your friends and family don't understand your concerns. I want to help you overcome doubt to share the facts, credible science, and enable you to make informed decisions. And in this episode, I'm going to address some of the most common myths that ultimately lead to doubt and sabotage your success. Welcome to the Missing Pillar of Health podcast, the show that tackles the often misunderstood and underestimated topics related to toxins and their impact on our health and well-being. I'm your host, environmental engineer, mom of two, and founder of Green at Home, Emma Roman. My mission is to help you reduce toxins in your life without fear, judgment, or shame, so you can be more informed and empowered to take action on issues that matter to your health. The research is clear that toxic chemicals found in the products we use, food we eat, water we drink, and air we breathe are contributing to the rise of chronic illness, allergies, infertility, autoimmune disease, and more. The good news is you can reduce your exposure without having to drastically change your lifestyle, and I'm here to show you how. As Margaret Mead said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. I believe addressing toxins is a critical step towards creating healthier and happier families, communities, and ultimately a better planet. And that starts right here, right now. Let's dive into today's show. 
Before I get to the myth busting, I'd like to take a moment to thank Apple podcast user Rachel Caden, who gave the show a five star rating and wrote, I'm excited about this podcast. Finally, there is a podcast by someone who has an in-depth knowledge and background in this very important topic. I have more than the basics on this topic from years of reading, so it's great to be able to find someone who can continue my education in this area because it's life-changing. I so appreciate your kind words, Rachel. Thank you for taking the time to give your review. And if you've been listening and enjoying the show on Apple Podcasts, I would love it if you gave your own rating and written review. It really helps me grow the show so that I can reach and help more people. All right, back to the topic at hand. Now, One of the biggest hurdles I experienced and I see in my community often is confusion around whether toxins really matter. In fact, this is where I started my deep dive research project six years ago. I secretly wanted to learn that toxins didn't matter, that they weren't affecting us, and that I could go back to living like a normal person. And I talked more about my own journey in episode one. In that episode, I also touched on some of the beliefs floating around the internet that made me more confused about whether toxins really mattered. So let's dive in and go into more detail about five myths that may be stopping you from being able to make the changes that you need to make to lower your toxic load and improve your health. Myth number one, I grew up using those products and I'm healthy. You've probably heard this before. Maybe you've said it yourself. There are a few problems with this belief. To me, it's like saying my great uncle smoked until he was 80 and didn't get lung cancer. The other issue is that we've become numb to so many conditions that affect our day-to-day life, yet are still considered normal or healthy. Painful periods, infertility, allergies, menopause symptoms, eczema, Sure, they're common now, but they certainly don't mean that we're healthy. And our kids are at a greater risk now than ever before. Generations of toxic buildup from things like DDT and smoking are passed down from our grandmothers, an effect that has resulted in a study called epigenetics. We've also seen a rise of plastics and processed foods and chemicals that weren't in the water and air two generations ago. Add that to poor sleep, less movement, and a higher body burden to start with, and our health picture isn't the same as previous generations. So while there are some people who smoked a whole bunch and didn't get cancer, them as a case study doesn't prove that cigarettes don't cause cancer. And because of all of these factors that go into our health and toxins, doesn't hold up for environmental toxins as well. My research on the impact of everyday toxins is taken from a large body of evidence that they do indeed pose a serious risk to our long-term health. As an individual, you might be generally healthy. But as a society, rates of obesity, cancer, reproductive issues, childhood development concerns, and more are on the rise. And since these rates are rising faster than genetics alone can explain, experts agree that environmental exposures are without a doubt playing a role. So the fact that someone grew up using Johnson & Johnson's baby powder, for example, and didn't develop ovarian cancer doesn't take away from the research suggesting there may be a link. Myth number two, our bodies have detoxification systems, so we don't have to worry about what we put into them. While our bodies are designed to deal with a certain level of toxic load, we are being bombarded with too much too fast. Add this to our stress levels, poor sleep, poor diet, and more sedentary lifestyle. Our liver, kidneys, lungs, skin, and lymphatic systems can't keep up. 
Your body burden of these stressors, along with genetics and other factors, all play a role in how well your body detoxifies. So relying solely on your detoxification system existing isn't really enough. It most likely isn't working optimally because of all of the factors that I just mentioned. So without reducing your toxic load in the first place, it's like trying to drain a full sink without first turning off the tap. It's essential that we do what we can to reduce our exposure to toxins that are in our control so that our detoxification system can handle what we can't control. Our bodies don't have an infinite capacity, and unfortunately, we don't even start at zero. Studies have shown the presence of toxins in the cord blood of newborns, and previously it was believed that the placenta protected the fetus from these toxins. If we want our detoxification systems to show up for us, then we have to show up for them. and do our best to reduce the load we put on them. Myth number three, mainstream doctors and nurses don't seem concerned, so I don't need to be concerned either. This has less to do about their level of concern and more to do about their level of education. Environmental health is a specialty, just like cardiology or pediatrics. You wouldn't expect your family doctor to be able to do open heart surgery, right? Environmental medicine is a relatively new field of study considering physicians have been formally trained for about 800 years, and medical schools offer very little in the form of environmental health training. I've seen anywhere from six to nine hours reported over four years of med school. I've also seen it reported that it takes about 10 years or more for medical schools to catch up to emerging science. Just because the medical system is slow to evolve and doctors aren't aware of the risk toxins pose doesn't mean they aren't impacting your health. The physicians, naturopathic doctors, and researchers who focus on environmental medicine and toxins agree that we should be deeply concerned about and actively work to lower our daily exposures. For more on environmental medicine specifically, you can check out my interview with Dr. Marilea Yu in episode 13. Myth number four. It wouldn't be allowed if it weren't tested and safe. Now, North America operates under a system of post-market regulation for general household products. New ingredients and products are typically put on store shelves and deemed safe based on studies conducted by the companies wanting to sell them. Another issue here is that a chemical is typically considered safe until proven otherwise, but this level of proof is very difficult to obtain because it takes a long time for the effects to be seen from things like hormone disruptors and carcinogens were literally the guinea pigs and often for years, if not decades. Lead paint, PBDE flame retardants in pajamas and couches, PFOA and Teflon, stain repellents, and waterproofing products. DDT. These are just a few examples of chemicals that were permitted for widespread use, only to be banned years later because of overwhelming evidence that they were causing health and or environmental harm. In addition, safe quote-unquote, levels for certain chemicals determined by regulators, especially hormone disruptors, typically don't adequately factor in cumulative exposures to all chemicals or the increased risk of children and the low-dose exposure risks that other chemicals that aren't hormone disruptors don't necessarily see, 
we know hormone disruptors act in much lower concentrations than we used to think of when it came to toxins, and I'll talk about those in a sec. Regulators can't keep up with the increasing number of new products. Testing of some products like cheap makeup or costume jewelry have repeatedly been found to contain heavy metals like lead and cadmium that exceed the regulatory limits. It's up to consumers to know who we're buying from, unfortunately, to help protect ourselves. What's more, if a product is found to contain a harmful ingredient, regulators cannot legally enforce a recall. Some companies will voluntarily recall a product from public pressure, but this is typically only after there is enough public pressure, meaning people have likely been harmed. So yes, products can be and are on store shelves that shouldn't be. This isn't to say that we shouldn't ever develop or use new chemicals or products. Chemicals aren't the inherent bad guys here, but we do need to do a better job at understanding the long-term and cumulative risks before bringing them to market. Myth number five, it's only a little bit and well within the safe limits allowed. Or in other words, the dose makes the poison. This is thanks to a theory from a man named Paracelsus in the 1500s that said an otherwise toxic substance isn't harmful below certain thresholds. People like to say water will kill you if you drink too much of it, as if that's proof that toxins like hormone disruptors are safe at low doses. We now know, however, that not all toxic chemicals behave linearly, meaning that higher doses may be more toxic than lower doses. Hormone disrupting chemicals, for example, are repeatedly shown to cause harm at very low concentrations, like those that we are exposed to every day. Our hormones are incredibly small molecules in our body and control much of what we take for granted, our mood, metabolism, reproductive system, sleep, etc. They do this at concentrations equivalent to a teardrop in a swimming pool. Hormone disrupting chemicals can do a very good job at mimicking our natural hormones, so it makes sense that the research is showing it doesn't require high concentrations of hormone disruptors to interrupt these processes. Studies have shown that we all carry a toxic load, even from birth. So while a small amount of phthalates or parabens in your shampoo or pesticides in a glass of water or a single apple won't cause much harm, the chemicals in all of our products, food, water, and air that we're exposed to day in and day out certainly are a problem. Now there's another issue with the myth that the small amounts in a single product aren't harmful. And this doesn't get talked about nearly enough. It's the social and environmental impact of all exposures in manufacturing processes. For example, in the US, studies have found women of color may have a higher toxic load and suffer from a higher rate of chronic illness associated with toxic chemical exposure. Farm and factory workers are at a higher risk of exposure to toxic levels of carcinogens and hormone disruptors, and they're often underprivileged and or members of the BIPOC community. Communities near the most toxic industries are more likely to be low income and at an increased risk of chronic health issues made worse by polluted air and water. So while a tiny amount of toxins may end up in the finished product, someone somewhere is being impacted by the high concentrations of the raw ingredient. And that's something I think we need to factor into our purchasing decisions. I talked with Dr. Ingrid Waldron about environmental racism, which is an umbrella term that covers much of the issues that I just spoke about in episode 14. So if you haven't listened to that, I highly recommend you do. It will expand 
on this issue for you. I hope this episode helps clarify some of the misinformation and misconceptions out there when it comes to toxins in your daily life. Toxins absolutely can and are contributing to lasting and detrimental health impacts. Understanding that and how to overcome objections like these from your family and also yourself are key to being able to mitigate the risks toxins pose. Before I go, I want to take a moment to invite you to next week's free web class, What You Need to Know About Hormone Disruptors and Pregnancy. I run this class a few times a year, and it's one of the most well-received free trainings I deliver. And it's live, so if you show up, you can ask me questions. If you can't tune in live, no worries, you will be given access to the replay when you register. In this class, you'll learn what hormone-disrupting chemicals are and why they are a critical piece of your prenatal care, the chemicals commonly found in your home that you should address right now, and which ones can be ignored, plus sanity and money-saving tips to set you and and your future baby up for success. Visit greenathome.info forward slash prenatal web class to register now, and I'll pop that link in the show notes. Next week on the podcast, I'll be sharing a conversation I had with Dr. Rachel Corradetti Sargent all about prenatal nutrition. You are not going to want to miss it. Chat with you then. I do hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to continue the conversation, I'd love to connect with you over in my free Facebook group. It's a great place to get feedback from over 4,000 super supportive members and where I share bonus trainings and content to help make your healthy home journey easier. Just type green product forum in the search bar in Facebook or head into the show notes where you'll find all the places you can find me online. Until next time, have a great day.